Crossbait Roleplay Bump Radio. This is RPPR episode 92, setting not included. And with me, as always, is Mr. Tom George. You'll notice that Ross's voice will now rise in Octave now that he's finished that. Yeah. And you may also notice that my I have allergies kicking my ass, so my normally sonorous, lulling, and weirdly seductive voice will be a s- more nasally and stopped up today. Got that half right. Yeah. Weirdly. I know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so in this episode, we're going to be talking about the use of generic toolkit systems with uh, your own uh, w- weird setting, whatever you come up with, uh, the pitfalls and yeah. advantages of this. Uh this was a suggestion by a listener who emailed us. and uh, Proof that we actually pay attention to you. We do. I, again, thanks you, thank you to every single listener out there who either uh, subscribes to us, sending us $2 a month, uh, or has uh, paid for the RPPR B-Sides, 20 actual play episodes uh, that will not be released for a year. And uh, so if you want to get those, you need to... You! Are the reason we exist. Yeah, it has Palladium games, has convention games, has all oh. kinds of great stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking Palladium. Yeah. It was that first game uh, that you played where you saved the president do- uh, president's daughter. Are you bad enough, dudes? Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, TMET. Uh, so anyway, so 20, 20 full games. Uh, just a little reminder out there. Hand, hand. Uh, so, but uh, let's talk about the news uh, for RPPR. Well, it's... Rough times in the world with Siri. Oh, RPPR news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No. Clearly, we need to talk about uh, what's important. What's truly, truly important. Base Raiders, right? Base Raiders. <laughs> uh, thanks, Tom. Hey, you um, bet. Base Raiders is basically done. Uh, I have sent out the PDF to all the. I've seen the finished there. book. Uh, yes, I have a proof copy. I uh, touched it. Yes, it's 260 pages of base rating goodness. And uh, over 50 pages longer than I initially planned it. Uh, so Isn't that usually array, the case? Array stretch goals. Uh, so uh, the way it's going to work is I'm rereading the, the book one last time to proofread it for typos and errors and that kind of thing. Uh, the next couple days, uh, I'll finish that up, and then I will submit the files to the printer and then print copies and uh, order, and then I will get the copies, and then I will mail them out to backers. And then Ross's garage will be filled with boxes full of actually, books. Actually, it won't, because I'm only ordering enough for the backers, because I'm using... So uh, this won't be like Zombies of the World. <laughs> zombies of the World. Well, the, that pile's gone down. There's, there are some cases left over. I remember, I, just, I remember back in the day. Yeah, when it first came in, because uh, I was printed overseas, there was a big old pile. That's on the Zombies of the World blog, by the way. You can take a look. Uh, look at his. Anyways. Uh, look at history. Yes. So uh, I learned right from my uh, earlier business and endeavors and uh, only printing what I can actually sell. <laughs> uh, but after that, uh, so after I send everything out to the backers, then I'll, I'll start gearing up to get the book into commercial distribution. <laughs> Uh, so you can get it at a game store or order it from my website or order it through DriveThruRPG or any number of places. So, hooray, hurrah. Sound. But for everyone you order, Ross's life will be extended by one hour. <laughs> okay. So I'm getting a little uh, kind of grimdark there. Yeah. Well, Ross, I think it's best they know with the stakes. Yeah, uh, clearly. Um in other news, uh, we will have more game designers workshops. Uh, Caleb and I are going to record another one soon. We also have the interviews from Gen Con. Uh, I've just been kind of lazy because uh, I've been focused on base raiders up until the last couple of days. Um, then, but we do have some RPVR videos. Uh, I recorded a two-hour workshop of Shadowrun Return, the level editor, 
uh, yeah, yes. so how to use a level editor to make your own levels for Shadowrun Returns. Um, so that's on the RPVR YouTube channel, uh, RPVR podcast YouTube channel. And then uh, by the time this, this episode goes live, there will be a new comedy skit. Thad was in town for a few days, so we recorded one uh, about the Orphan Bane gaming company, uh, sort of. A, I was in it. Yes, you're in it. So it and everyone kind of said a, that I did good. You did. You did well. That, oh, well, that's good too. Yeah. That, yes. Well, Grammar Tom. So sh- shut up. <laughs> All right. Um, oh yeah, and uh, I actually my personal bit of news. I was in SeaWorld recently. Yeah. And uh, oh my god, yeah. oh my god, whales. Yeah, um, I was there one day, and it was better than my New York trip. That should tell you what a hopeless... Even though you got sunburned and... Oh, yeah, cooked, totally. Yeah. But you know what? I didn't care. Yeah, all right. I've also discovered, as I age and lose hair, my scalp is now susceptible to sunburn. Ouch. And it did. Ow. That sucks. But you know what? It was worth it. Didn't care. Yeah, all right. Fair enough. Uh, It left me with a peeling scalp, Ross, and I loved it. All right, Doug. Discovering his love of masochism. Uh, masochism. It was SeaWorld. It was totally worth it. Okay. All right, so uh, back to the main topic. Uh, I think we're done with the news. Uh, wow, we finished quickly this time. Uh, yeah, so uh, a while ago, um, a listener, Christopher, uh, emailed us and had a show topic suggestion that I thought was a good idea, so we'll, we'll do it. Um so we're still going to do the reviewing two new scenarios. That'll probably be the next episode, but that'll, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyways, he says, hi, I just discovered RPPR. Uh, it's been a source of much entertainment for me over the last few weeks. As we do. Yeah. Uh, I'm relatively new to game, uh, to tabletop RPGs. Uh, but he, I'm the GM, uh, listening to RPPR has definitely helped me keep my head on straight as how to help explore the kind of stories our group is interested in exclamation point. Um, our group likes to go in our own direction for stories and aren't usually as interested in a lot of the pre-built universes. Uh, we started with World of Darkness, which was interesting and easy to get rolling with. I tried learning GURPS, found it a bit too complex. Tried looking at D&D slash Pathfinder, found it a bit too constrained. Recently, I've discovered Fate. It seems right on topic for our kind of group. Uh, but I haven't seen an episode around centered around this topic of generic toolkits, comparing and contrasting the various systems of people uh, for people who want to go in their own direction of world building and exploring, it would be neat to have an episode that explored various toolkit systems and how they can affect people who might want to r- run games that go off a bit, uh, bit off the beaten path. Thanks, and keep up the amazing shows. Christopher. So, thank you, Christopher. Thank you. Uh, emailing us in there. Um, first off, all our RP- tabletop RPGs are basically beat off the beaten path because... We're kind of a niche hobby. It's not like video yeah, games. I mean, yeah. compare, you think there's a lot of role players, but then compare that to the number of video game players, or just like Call of Duty players or something like that. It's like, holy shit. There's not many of us compared to them. So no, we're, all, we, uh, we're all elitist nerds, uh, so hooray for that. Yeah, so we're like one of the last mystery cults on Earth. <laughs> okay. That's an interesting way of looking yeah. at it. Um, no well, offense to the actual mystery cults out there. And I wouldn't dare actually mention you because for risk of getting killed. Yeah, no, uh, clearly. But um, there it is a good topic. Like now, we're not gonna for this episode. We're not gonna actually just like look at various, various to- systems, various toolkit systems, because there's a lot. lot. There's a lot of them. Yeah, uh, there and we aren't really super experts in all. Like GURPS is the only one I would feel really qualified to talk Ditto. about. 
Uh, I mean, there are others. I think, yeah, like, we I, played I, Savage Worlds. I could do Mutants and Masterminds. Mutants and Masterminds is a superhero RPG. It's not really... But it can be used for other it things. It can be. Any RPG can be used for anything. You could run Vampire using bunnies and burrows. It doesn't mean it's a good fit. I, I don't, actually, the, that Ross, that sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, yeah, it kind of does. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time, you don't want to uh, do that. So... Um, we're not. What we are going to do is talk about uh, how trying to fit a setting, uh, uh, your own setting, to a set of rules, because that's really what it's about. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily a toolkit system. In fact, Tom, you're sort of one of the biggest proponents of like using non-generic games for your own thing. That's yeah. kind of like using cyberpunk for a sci-fi game, like a, a space opera game, and or ch- using I- masterminds for pretty much everything. Yeah, I, I, especially as I said, I mentioned this last episode. Third, third edition, I is such a. I love second edition, and third edition's even better. Yeah, it's. I think it's just getting a. For me, it's getting a game together with players. Right. But yeah, it. But cyberpunk, yeah, I've used that for. I've used that for several things. I've actually used cyberpunk for a uh, hero setting one time. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it's like superhero setting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, a little imagination. Most systems can work. Right, so really, I mean, toolkit systems can be really good or they can be really bad. Uh, but it's really a matter of taking your own setting um, and finding, like, most people what they do is they, they they pick the rules and then they try and fit their setting into it. Like, I'm going to do yes. this, I'm going to use GURPS to run this. But you should really, I think most of the time, say, I have this setting, what are the right rules for me? So... Uh, and also you have to turn like first what you want out of your setting yeah that's yeah like uh, what are the most important things about your setting like not every setting is equal like it, we can look at some existing settings like what are the most important elements of it like for example uh, the world of darkness what are the most important elements of the world of darkness like what are the things that you think are essential to the world of darkness like old or new well, uh, I think an element of horror right yeah I really kind of think I mean it's Granted, I will even I will admit it's back in Old World of Darkness, third edition, vampires pretty much superheroes that drink blood. Right. So you need robust superpower system, yeah. basically, like something to where, uh, yeah, that's the one thing. Every vampire is different, so you need a lot of ways to differentiate different types of vampires. So like D and D, where there's just like vampire, you know, there's not re- and they have the same set of abilities. That would- oh, if they go really nuts, sometimes it's weird creature who is now a vampire yeah. is this is different now so you need uh, good rules to to describe these complex abilities and different yeah. uh, factional abilities if we're, if we're just going to focus on vampire right i also think uh politics right so a subterfuge lot of social, yeah so a lot of social uh combat social conflict settings status that kind of thing mm, i think world of darkness is good because you really kind of have to have lots of things in it right and also, like along with social combat, is flat out bloody combat. But for too. example, you don't need mass combat. Rules. No, you don't. Uh, Most you, of the time, the fighting is between one small group yeah. versus individuals or small groups. Right. You don't need uh, vehicle construction rules. No. You don't. Fucking auto duel. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, I think I will eventually have to do some kind of gif with auto duel or something. <laughs> it's enraged me so much. I was just show you Zombie Dan, you know, saying just mm-hmm. like. But I also say, so, uh, yeah, World of Darkness. It's also the game you don't need to know the damage for a minigun or something. Uh, yeah, you don't need extended military tactical or you weapons. Don't need like 
cyberpunk a hardware armory no all right so yeah so that yeah so those so you so you have a better idea of like what kind of thing so that's those are some elements of what you would want and what you wouldn't want so like rules for horror like fear humanity uh losing humanity losing sanity that kind of thing you would need super supernatural abilities supernatural rules for like magic, yeah the occult like you know having to hide your, having to hide yourself right stealth yeah um so those but are also the, world of know. darkness i don't like world of Dark, it's i don't it's tactical combat's not a thing right that's true but there's some games some games you are you're going to want tactical combat yeah so world of darkness wouldn't be for you right. but i would think like gurps or cyberpunk are good for tactical combat right so yeah so if you're wanting to do a game that does feature tactical combat like uh, for example you're doing more of a police procedural thing where like you're an FBI profiler who's working against uh, a hey Delta Green. Uh-huh. Delta yeah. Green would be a good one that uh, would feature like the new version of Delta. Of course, that depends on the type of Delta Green game you're running. That you could see you see it either way. So options for tactical right. combat. Um, so, and in some games you are going to want vehicle creation rules. And- right. That's what I mean. Is like finding the right rules for your setting so like again thinking of your setting first what are the most important elements of it uh yeah if you're doing mad max post-apocalyptic battles you would want mass combat in fact auto duel yeah auto duel would be great then yeah exactly i would not i would actually not bitch about it so there's no one perfect rpg um no even gurps which you know the generic universal role-playing system i wouldn't use it for certain things like what uh in this case i would actually i would actually say uh Actually, cinematic action. I know it has rules for it. Right. But tactical combat to me kills cinematic combat. Right. It, yeah, I think unless you unless you just go a completely different route, if you if you use GURPS for everything but the combat, maybe. But at that point, why don't you just get a system that you can you can do cinematic combat that isn't tactical? Yeah. Um, like you know, if I was if I was doing my version of Die Hard. Yeah. I would not use GURPS. But if I... Well, not, actually, not Dyer. Dyer was tactical, now that I think of it. But, you know, if I was, if I wanted to do this, like, flat out, you know... Jack- well, Knight's Black Agents, I would use for Die Hard. Because you have a very skilled mm-hmm. character, but he's still relatively fragile. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't take a lot of hits. But he does have a lot of skills and abilities, and he can come up with plans on the fly by, like, oh, I spent... But if you were doing hard-boiled, yeah. then you wouldn't want to use that. I sp- yeah, like... John, uh, a John. If you're doing a John Woo game or yeah. like Feng well, Shui, yeah, Feng Shui would be the perfect thing for that. Yeah. Uh, so again, matching the the setting to the rule, matching yeah, rules really, to the setting. Probably no matter what setting you think of, there's a system that's perfect for, for it. Perfect yeah, that's for it. tailored tailored for it. Um, this does. I mean, this kind of does require it does require research on your part. Yeah. So and it also understands like what you think is really important about your setting and actually understanding it because a lot of people. Like you mentioned this earlier, like vampires, a game of personal horror, but what does it turn into? It's superheroes that drink blood. Yeah, that drink blood. So what is your game really about? Uh, what, is, what do the characters do? What are the challenges that they face? And what are and they- I have to say, I, have, I played vampire quite a bit. Yeah. Never was it about personal horror. Right. Ever. And I, I, played, I started playing this game my freshman year of high school. Right. Never was it about horror. Right. It's, and yeah, it's, eventually you can realize... Don't try to put it in because it's not going to work. You know, why on God's earth would I be sad about being an immortal killing machine? Right. Like, well, you can never see the sun. Like, 
I can like I'll watch movies that have sunrises. I don't need to see it. Like in fact, I'm a nerd. When do I actually get up in time to see a sunset? Yeah, sunrise. See, I don't even I don't even know what they're called anymore. <laughs> uh, I mean, I guess you could you could get up in time to see the sunset. That'd be kind of that would be bad even for by nerd standards not to see the sunset. Yeah, I know. So, uh, wow. Where's my head? Yeah. Blame the allergies. Blame the allergies. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of people who come out with their custom sets, uh, settings, um, really, they think it's about one thing where they, they don't, they aren't really introspective about it. You know, they come up with this dissonance of like, I wanted to do about this, but it's really, but the players are doing that. And, it, ah, well, so. I, I, I think like, uh, when you get to that situation, if, you better just go with what the players are doing because they outnumber you. And yeah, I mean that's the thing. Yeah, I got a lot of people who come up with their own settings are kind of like, "I am the creator." And like, I... uh, then you quickly find out, yeah. no, you are the director to a bunch of divas. Yeah, who uh, <laughs> will argue with you? They're not. It's like, yeah, they're not. Yeah. Like, they don't have to listen to you. Yeah, no, that's true. Uh, and role playing is collaborative. That's the whole goddamn point of the game is so that you do. Things. I think mean, a lot of I think like I've heard a lot of new like especially newer GMs have run yeah. into that problem where they think they are creating this thing and yeah and the players, players are there to witness the story yeah and they that's I think a lot they get burned out of it they don't realize that uh, yeah. no your players are actually the ones who are going to be leading the story along. Yeah, they're supposed to. They're the stars of it. You're just the the setting the the the. Scene you are the them. director, but you have but you still have to answer to the studio. Right. Um, so again, you, you have to think about what's important, what's not um, for your setting. Uh, not just in skills and mechanics, but in themes and in tones. Um, also, adventure types. Yeah. Like. What type of what are the th- what are the players going to be doing in the nitty gritty of the game? Like, I mean, not to, oh, they're going to be uh, discovering themselves <laughs> and like going on an epic quest and blah blah. blah. No, okay, no, so it's what like, does no, that mean? In like, no, it's like real- like no, how about more? They're going to break. They're going to break. Uh, be breaking into a museum, right? Or they're going to be going through a dungeon and yeah. killing monsters. Or they're going, but the dungeon happens to be an abandoned spaceship, you know, in orbit around Mars, you know. In fact, it's it it's Event Horizon. Yeah, uh, it's Event Horizon with power with vibro blades, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, which hey, that sounds like fun again, and we could use bunnies mm-hmm. and burrows for that. So we almost have to. <laughs> <laughs> or mouse guard, mouse. Uh, wow, yeah, yeah. We have, yeah. That we guy. did. Hey, we did Iraq. Yeah. with mouse guard. With fucking camel spiders. Fucking, they're set, they're dicks. They are total dicks. Uh, so, but we had little tiny M16s. I know that. <laughs> that was pretty amazing. It was. Um, Kudos to that guy. Yeah. Seriously, that that's the last thing I ever would have thought of. Uh, it would have been like the seventh or eighth thing I would have thought would have thought of. Right? Uh-huh. Definitely not the first. Uh, but. You need to think, yeah. You need to think of like, what are the what are the adventure types like? I mean, in general, there's like social, you know, political talking, espionage. Yeah, there. Well, there's espionage, which is more subterfuge, like our Knights yeah. Black Agent games feature there's, a lot well, of that. cinematic action. Yeah, or tactical combat. Tactical yeah. combat uh, or survival. Most war games kind of fall into the tactical thing. Well, sure. Yeah. Uh, mil- where yeah, like a military game like uh, Twilight 2000, where if you go jumping in with two guns blazing, you're dead. You're dead. Yeah, they'll just shoot you because they have massive hit modifiers you know, for you. So you have to like actually use real small unit tactics on them. Um, then so yeah, you have two types of action: survival horror, survival horror. Yeah, survival horror. Um, resource management in general, like mm-hmm. your. 
have very little food, you know, like a post-apocalyptic thing where you have to scavenge and manage resources, uh, building. Yeah. So anyways, there's a lot of types of scenarios, uh, but you have to think about predominantly what type of things the characters actually been doing in the, in the, in the average scenario and think about what kind of rules make that fun to do. I mean, that's really the core yeah. of it. Like what are the characters doing and how is this fun for the players who are playing this game? Um, so I don't know. And so, and I, and yeah, often like a good idea, like an interesting idea put in the wrong setting can really kill it too. There's one actually. Uh, have you you heard of the game Teenagers from Outer Space? Yeah, anime yeah, comedy yeah. game. Yeah. Well, so someone I know tried to use that setting and system for a uh, hunting down hunting down a, ra- a one of those you know, the Japanese rape demons. They're, he was trying to do like Aratsuka Doji or whatever I think it was called, mangling that. But you know, it's one of those. Demon, demon, hen- demon hentai type yeah. shows using that. Was this Sean? No, no, yeah. this was someone else in from high school. Wow. But yeah, I'm like, no, I didn't play. I didn't play that one. It was pitched to me like, hey, you want to be a part of? It? No, I do not. Yeah. Because uh, teenagers from outer space is anime comedy. Yeah. I mean, Sean had a you know sex demon, but yeah. it was called the perverticon. It was all about groping and you know right. The funny aspects of that, yeah, it was, it was more doing like awkward it's high te- school gaming. Yeah, yeah, it was like awkward teenage stuff. Yeah, very not awkward. tentacle rape. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, yeah, uh, and yeah, don't even not even yeah. gonna bring up bunnies and burrows. So, oh lord, yeah, or I guess I mean Watership Down can handle grim dark. I mean that that's pretty grim dark itself. So the horror. Uh, yeah, I, I actually saw someone do. They did a video where they took scenes of Watership Down and then just interspersed, you know, a brief overlay of Kurtz going, the horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that fits. That totally fits. So yeah, you need to you need to have um, uh, a meshing of systems mm-hmm. of, of setting and rules. Right. Also, talk to your players too. Yeah, uh, and one thing you mentioned where we're talking uh, primarily the show is like sometimes the players will want a particular rule system. And- yeah, and. Uh, Obviously, if that's the case, you're you're gonna have to make you know if you if you have a setting that totally doesn't if you got a setting in your mind that you were gonna do, but the, your players have requested a, a certain system, you might very well just have to you know table that idea and think of another one, or adjust it. I mean, it, like you, I mean, it, it, yeah. some things you can't you sometimes you just absolutely can't adjust it. Um, like well, okay, well, do, you, do you have an example? I mean, yeah. Um, Old, another old Palladium system that really no one's very few heard about, but Recon, uh-huh. which was just their modern. Actually, combat. Palladium bought that. It was it wasn't originally a Palladium system. Well, I I played it when it was a Palladium right, system, right? And uh, basically, the GM was planning a Vietnam uh, Vietnam War era combat. Yeah, that's what the GM was planning a uh, not a not a campaign, but like a three part. And because uh, uh, he was going to GM for the next three weeks. But then all the players, you know, got to him and said, "Hey, he's like, he's like, hey man, uh, he's like, you know what? We really, I even, I even forget what the other system was, but it was like, it was kind of more soft sci-fi. Mm-hmm. And what we wanted, it, there's no way recon, a, a Vietnam era campaign could do it. Sci-fi. Yeah, like I mean, like in space, <laughs> space opera, like space opera-ish. <laughs> Space Charlie's out there. I mean, I mean not st- <laughs> never I, get off the space boat. No, in fact, yeah, it was like it wasn't Star Wars, but it was yeah. along those lines. One of those, one of the myriad of Star Wars yeah. sci-fi games that 
they they just keep being vomited out. Obi Wan's methods are unsound. <laughs> See, now it's starting to sound badass. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm making this sound much. Well, this better was yeah, this was high school again. Yeah, this again, not somebody wasn't being that clever. He if just, someone was that clever, I would always remember it. Yeah, no, that yeah, that's the thing. It can go gloriously right or gloriously wrong, or not gloriously at all. Like, ugh, of course, terribly or bunnies wrong. and burrows. Anything could work. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, Star Wars bunnies and burrows. That, um, yeah, that, yeah, it could work. Uh, or Vietnam bunnies and burrows. <laughs> they already have that. There's there's one called Cat Shit One, which there's the <laughs> manga version of it, which has like uh, little cute animals shooting each other in Vietnam. There's a, it's a whole manga yeah. thing. So and this, and those North Korean cartoons. Yeah, God damn, those North Korean cartoons. Um, There's a whole setting right there, North Korean. It's like this called the Squirrel and the Hedgehog. There's clips of it on YouTube, and holy shit, that shit is horrifying. Yeah. Um, There's a game based on that nor- like based on North Korean kids cartoons. Yeah, yeah. Bunnies and Burrows, North Korea. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the important thing. Um, in it. When when you when you're trying to to, to focus at yeah like okay if so, so you're doing, um, so we'll, we'll take the example like doing re- recon which is a modern military type yeah. game and trying to do sci-fi with it. What you can do instead of doing it in space, you could do near future sci-fi with it, where like you're facing like with guns versus yeah. like you could do the colonial marines with that. You make it a aliens. bug hunt. Yeah, make it a bug hunt. Um, or you could make it um. You know, like a cyberpunk thing where you're just like troopers fighting terrorists or anarchists or something. Or do it like, like Predator. Uh, yeah, Predator would be really good as well. Uh, well, I said, this was high school. Yeah. So there are ways to sort of get it halfway, meet them halfway if they're really set on the rules. I mean, in my, my experience, players really, or the RPPR group, really more about ideas and concepts than yeah. particular rules. No one's been really hardcore about particular rule systems. I, but I do well, know. Like- we yeah. like whenever whenever a new D and D comes out, we always have to do it. Well, yeah, uh, just because I think otherwise our gaming cred would. Be yeah, yeah, that's just for the pug, we, just we, for you guys. Yeah, that's we wouldn't we wouldn't get picked up for another year. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to be fair though, like you guys stuck along for my or the uh, not you, but everybody else stuck along for my Iron Heroes campaign, which was a total vanity part. And like, I like this campaign that I ran years ago. I'm gonna run a. In the same rule system that nobody cares about, and it's been out of print for a long time. And hey, all I know, my one session I contributed, I will always be proud that, of. which is coming up, not not immediately. Well, no, yours is one of very end. So, but yeah, yeah it was a great one. Uh, I actually had a character for this game that Ross first. thoroughly approved of last year yeah. at Gen Con. Yeah, no, your 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 Iron Heroes character. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he would have been great if you it was your scheduling. Yeah, I was working. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, were I working. That's why. That's why you couldn't make it. You, you were working. So, um, fuck you, job. Yeah, fuck, fuck jobs. Uh, so, when you when so in general, one thing he does mention though that I want to bring up though is fate. Uh, and fate core has just come out, and uh, the fate rules. We only played one game of it so far, Spirit of the Century, which wasn't fate core, but Spirit of the Century, which is sort of the first version of it. Yeah, um, is meant to be very fast, very easy to use, and can be applicable to any system because it's very abstract and very focused on the storytelling element you know you you don't have concrete skills or whatever you have like aspect you do have skills but they're very open-ended and it's very meant to just be what gaming really is which is kind of like an interpretation by a game master of a particular set yeah. of rules for the service of the story and it's all about servicing the story for storytelling first so um so fate core i think could do any system if you really if you're if you're playing the type of game where storytelling comes before 
uh, simulationism, yeah. which is kind of one of the classic conflicts of gaming, uh, tabletop gaming. Like, are you telling a story first or are you playing a game first? Like, if like there are people out there, there's a large segment of role players out there that think that, you know, if you're that care about encumbrance rules and shit like that, because that's where the conflict is. It's not that you don't magically have enough encumbrance to carry everything you have or whatever. You have a set amount of encumbrance. You're trying to simulate this other universe, other reality or, you know, other mm-hmm. game story. And you have to follow the rules. Otherwise, you're just playing pretend bullshit. What does it matter? Pew, pew. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So... Uh, on the other hand, there are people like, yeah, here are the rules, but you can bend or twist them occasionally in the service of the story. So, and that's sort of the classic tension, and that's something you have to think about yeah. wh- when you're running games. I just remembered, I think one of the, I was talking to one of my role playing friends from Texas, and uh, I said, made me think about that, talking about, you know, talk about being able to take two seemingly un- unrelated things and making a fun couple sessions out of it. Right. You know the GM. The GM was actually kind of gearing up for uh, like he had this great idea for like a corp, like corporate espionage type game. Sure. Where they're playing, you know, they're cor- they're junior executives in a company trying to outdo each other. Sure. But the players wanted to do like they were actually kind of in the mood for something more actiony. Sure. So and then he's saying like, oh, I worked on this, and he said then he says then he uh, he watched a video that I had suggested a long time a while back. Okay. The business sniper. From the, oh, uh, wise kids, you know. Yeah, so he actually combined the two. So it's a corporation, but often you ha- but often actual wars will break out of the building. Right. So he made two sessions off, you know, your junior executives, but you also have, but you know, like you're also like trained uh, trained assault soldiers because right. sometimes sometimes you have to blackmail your opponent with, you know, business secrets, and sometimes you have to take out the squad of mercenaries he's hired to kill you yeah i gotcha so uh, sometimes yeah yeah sometimes you can combine them yeah you can combine ideas uh which i that just came to mind like oh yeah yeah like all like two set two great sessions brought up by a brief sketch from the quietest kids you know yeah you can find unusual ways to link sessions together um but again going back to, to to what i was saying earlier um what do you think about the the sort of like the sort of rules heavy people, the people who like simulation versus storytelling? Like, are you trying to tell a story it's, by simulating I, rules? It's actually I don't consistently know consistently. I don't know too many of them. Okay, most of the players I play with are storytelling. Story, so they're bending the rules, or they're, like, they're all about the story. And okay. you know, they like it, they prefer it when I bend the rules when it helps the story. Mm-hmm. They bend the rules when it you know when it helps the story, even if it's to their detriment. Mm-hmm. Most of the, just about, actually, just about all the players I play with are so more in the fate. They're story. Yeah, they're yeah. storytelling. Okay, so I mean, but that's the thing you have to think about because I mean, I knew some rules heavy uh, right. uh, GMs in high school, right? But and I didn't. I honestly didn't play with them very much because right. I didn't like it. Um, I mean, the thing is. Um, in in role playing, so I mean, it is it is sort of a fine line because if you get too heavy yeah, with it, you're just like but talking. Even, and but yeah, even storyteller, but even storyteller, you've got to have rules. Right. There has to be eventually, you know, the part we got. Uh, no, sorry, you can't. That's right. I mean, I, I know that's all about you. Know, say yes to players, help them, but also you have to like no, you have to say no sometimes. Right. So, storyteller or not, rules have to be there. So yeah, I mean that's the thing, and so you have to uh, think about that when you're picking rules for your game because you could do any sort of game in GURPS or any sort of game in Fate, but one is better in 
how and, and not even it's not even about the setting it's like your style i guess it's more of like a yeah, game style like with using gurps like i ran gurps before yeah and i think i i, I cherry pick some of the combat rules right like i didn't really worry too much about encumbrance because it didn't have to be it didn't have to be something because no one said i want to be carrying an m60 over this shoulder right an m16 over this one a grenade launcher strapped to my right then no one ever did that right yeah, you know, like when it came to encumbrance, like they carried normal loadouts. Right. And I didn't. Well, I didn't have to use hex maps. I think I I used a map, but not actual hex. Just, but I just kind of like designed out the room and said, okay, at this point you're at long range. This is medium close. And so, I, I did the I did cinematic combat with GURPS by just uh, all right. I, Using I, the I, rules I, sim- I, It's basically simplifying it. Right. So I kept some rules like you know the rolling to hit, cover and everything, but I got rid of I got rid of the most of the what I thought of as needless math. Um, and the, yeah, and you have to kind of decide at what point you're going to try the. I mean, groups itself, you don't have to use every single rule. Yeah, it tells they you. Have, yeah, it tells you, but uh, a lot of it is like what is 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 your style going to be like? All right, so you've 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 beaten the bad guy. Uh, the the place is gonna blow up, and are you going to? Uh, oh, so you have to jump off the cliff because that there's no the place is about to blow up. Mm-hmm. Your, your volcano layer is about to blow up. Uh, you, the storyteller is like, all right, make your roll. All right, you jump in the water, you you avoid the rocks, blah blah blah. And the, the simulation guy would be like, okay, you fail to clear the rocks, you die. You know, like yeah, which is very unsatisfying, but like realistic but realistic and like that's the thing is like real life has has um storytelling has a, a layer of structure that we you don't see in real life uh, there's justice and there's you know poetic there's poetic justice there's uh karma you know there, there's a, this level that we kind of crave and but simulation is thing no we should try and it's more important that we we try and go for this kind of level of uh uh, randomosity that that the unjust and just are not punished equally and that kind of thing, um, because that's just the way it is. And the few th- it, that makes it more meaningful when it actually does fulfill our yeah. expectations, because we knew that we could have failed that you know uh, uh, that the one time you actually do you know again like the, going back to the very roots of role playing games, you have the guys at you know 1970s who are just like take you 50 sessions to get your character to level eight, and you like ah I'm level eight I'm a god. You know, and then he dies to a fucking random critical hit, and he's like, "Well, that's just the way it is." Because that made their for them, it made it more meaningful uh, than like stuff in games now. So it's kind of an ongoing tension, I think. Yeah. But and but the reason I all bring it up, this whole this whole this sort of tangent, is because it's about your style and what kind of game you want to do. It's not even about the rules. I mean, you could run a very tactical, very uh, I, I mean, not super tactical, but there are fate games with more complexity than just fate core. And you could do a very sort of grim, dark, very simulationist kind of fate game, and let characters die, get killed, and that kind of thing. But would that fit the type of game you want to run? So yeah, I think I I usually like when I, say, when I run a game like that, I let them know that all right, uh, you you can easily die in this. Right. Usually, just saying that they actually play different. Sure, they're they're much more cautious. Interestingly, they uh, team. They use teamwork a lot more. <laughs> more motivated, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's really. I mean, if you just kind of let them know what you have in mind from yeah. the beginning, 
Yeah. Most of the time, they'll they'll adjust perfectly. Yeah, I mean, if you say like this is going to be the, the the fantasy game where I keep track of encumbrance rules, or this one like, hey, just come up your concept, you're going to be a badass, you know, like yeah, or like you did, and remember in, like the uh, New World campaign, you often did. Like, All right, uh, this is a boss fight, yeah. So uh, yeah, get your game faces on here. Yeah, those are fun. Uh, except for because especially and this is also a beast, so you can't negotiate with it. Yeah. Which uh, we would do with everything. You do, yeah. That you tried that, and it was hilarious. Um, often, uh, it was. <laughs> so, I think you know. Again, it, it comes down to to finding a good. So, a lot of this, of course, you're, unless you're familiar with every RPG system out there, you have to kind of do some research uh, on, like, hey, here's my idea. What system should I use for it? I and think. the thing about gamers, is that we're happy to share information. Yeah. So you can post on the RPPR Facebook group, the forums, the message boards that we have, um, just our RPG.net or AEN World or something off of forums. So someone, eating, will, someone will answer your question. And no matter what, how crazy or wacky or original idea, unique your idea is, there's probably a system for it. Because not only there are commercial systems, there's free systems, there are... Um, there's a shitload of systems out there. Uh, and, and there's homebrewed. Yeah, the homebrewed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, and again, you can adjust existing systems. If you're really familiar with one system like Mutants and Masterminds, you can use the adjust for it. Or if like Cyber or Bunnies and Burrows, if you're like. If you're awesome. If, you're, if your hammer is Bunnies and Burrows, uh, every setting looks like a nail that you should use Bunnies and Burrows to. I, I'm like, yeah. kind of mangled that metaphor. Like that president, like being president of the United States. Bunnies and burrows. <laughs> um, like if you're doing a game based on the 13 days of the Cuban Missile Crisis, bunnies and burrows. Bunnies and burrows. Oh yeah, that would be pretty good actually. Uh, well, who would we be playing as in that? Would we be the president and his staff, or would we we'd be, be like the we'd, no, we'd, CIA commandos? We'd be, Cuba? The C, we'd be the we'd be the CIA cute little animals that are actually enforced. So okay, so there's still people. We're just the animals who are in the world of people, and we're trying to do our best to make sure. So we're American bunnies. Well. Fighting of course, fighting the evil communists. We could be inter- proletariat international uh, Ross, communist bunnies. Get out! <laughs> it's my house. I- yeah, I know. That's how powerful I can say. Get out! Uh-huh. You're you you forfeited this place. <laughs> I see. Uh, you're just taking it for the greater good. The greater good. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I hope this answers the question you have on you. What toolkit system should I use for my game? The answer is whatever works. It really fucking depends. Yeah. I- and there's a shitload out there. Um, there's D6. Uh, again, there's various D20 two versions of D20. There's GURPS. There's Fate. Various flavors of Fate. The uh, Cortex. Uh, World of Darkness. Basic role playing. Uh, BRP, which is from Chaosium. The same rules that Call of Cthulhu uses. Actually, the Call of Cthulhu system works for a lot of stuff. Well, that's too. what BRP does, except it adds new like rules for magic and cybernetics yeah. and sci-fi shit and bullshit like that. Uh, they also use it for other role-playing games like Stormbringer. Ooh. Uh, so there's it. it it's just it, we could go on for on for forever on that. So, anyways, just this puts you in the mind. Think of the setting first and find the rules that fit that. Uh, or do it the other way. We're not the bosses of you. No, we, we, we can't, can't control you. We we we're just we, voices we on can't the con- internet. Yeah, we can't control you yet. Uh, or at all. No. We're not. It's not like we're trying. No, of or that we're getting that would close. Be wrong. That would so be we're like, like we're getting close to uh, to Operation Mindblow. That would be that would be wrong. Yes, we're not doing that unless we succeeded. No, then they would no no. Well, they wouldn't know then. Well, yeah, exactly. So don't forget what we we're just saying. Anyways, um, so next up we have shoutouts. 
Or no, do you have a letter? I, it's it's not a letter. It's a, it's more just a, something I feel I need to talk about. It's going to be uh, nothing written down, just all in my head. So I'd, okay. I'm going to be going. An I'll, improv rant from Tom. Indeed. Uh, and then shout outs and an anecdote from our current Eclipse Phase campaign that I am running and Caleb is yes. playing. Woo. Ross is running it. How can this be? All right, we'll be right back. Tom here again, and this is a totally improvised, unwritten down rant from me, so let's stay frosty, people. As you all, as you may know, I am an avid moviegoer. I go to the theater quite often because I'm often very bored and lonely and have nothing else to do. And this year, two movies have come out that provide an interesting opportunity to look at the differences in, well, America. I know that's really deep. Two movies have come out about attacks on the White House. The first one was earlier in the year called Olympus Has Fallen. There's another one that was out uh, more recently called White House Down. And I watched both of these movies at the theater with two different people. I watched Olympus Has Fallen with Ross, who already the grimace of disgust is evident. I wish I was a method actor and could show you what he's feeling right now, but I can't, alas. I watched the second movie with Caleb as when it came out. It was only after my all my suppressed memories of the first movie came back that I suddenly realized these are two movies about essentially the same thing done by the opposite ends of the political spectrum in America. Olympus Has Fallen was the conservative right-wing White House attack movie, and White House Down was the left-wing liberal attack the White House movie. And the fact is just the sheer number of similarities that coincide with being on the opposite sides kind of blew me away. Now, what are you asking? Like, what are you asking my ass? Well, think about it. Olympus has fallen. Who attacks the White House? North Korean terrorists. You know, this the big villain du jour of foreign enemies now, North Korea. Thank you, home front. And who and in Olymp in White House down, it's homegrown right wing terrorists who hate the government. So essentially, it's the two different boogeymen of the two sides invading the White House. You know, like, liberals are more afraid, I think, of the you know militia types that they are of foreign soldiers attacking America. Whereas a lot, like, a lot of a lot of people, those actual same militia people, are sure that foreign troops are going to invade our country at any moment. Also, how did they take? Like, let's talk about how did they take the White House? White Olympus has fallen. And once again, I'm sure Ross commented on this when we left. It is about 600 armed insurgents just storming the gates. It's, there's no subtlety. It's an army appears at the White House. They blow through the wall and just kill, just battle their way through all the Secret Service and capture the White House and then hold it. White House down. It's it's subtle infiltration. It's these homegrown terrorists are disguised as video like, as video technicians who come have come to fix the movie theater projector in the White House theater. That's how they get in. And there's only like eight of them. So it's you know it's an insidious, subtle infiltration, not the flat out war that it, you know that captures it. 
Also, it's also both movies like part of sim, one of their similarities. They have the each group has assistance from someone on the inside. Olympus has fallen. It is a former Secret Service agent who has now since gone into the private sector, who is now basically a Blackwater type mercenary security expert. He's the one who gets them in. Is White House down? It's the current retiring head of the Secret Service, played by James Woods. That should tell you all you need to know right there. It says, but it's like the Olympus has fallen. It's kind of implying this man only betrayed the White House after leaving the service of his country to go into hor- into evil private work. He wasn't a patriot enough. And the and and White House down. It's it's kind of you know kind of saying it says. Well, he says, yes, no one was watching The Watcher. That's essentially what they were saying in that one. And there are other similarities that really don't have any political connotations. In both movies, the Delta Force tries to airily assault the White House, and both sides, they have special weapons to stop them. The only difference being, in Olympus Has Fallen, it was some fictional gun called the Hydra, which, if it was any different from any other anti-aircraft gun, I couldn't tell you. The other day, they just use jab. They actually just use missiles. But both and both times, the voice of reason was telling this attack's not going to work, and of course, they are ignored, and all all of them are killed because you know when one expert, if an expert says this attack will not work, they have special air defenses. Everyone's going to go. I don't believe you. And. And also, the presidents in this movie, I think, is very, just the most indicative. In Olympus Has Fallen, it's Aaron Eckhart as the president. And, you know, like, you know, tall, you know, like tall, Caucasian, you know, light hair, square jaw, like the pinnacle, a picture of America, tough president. And his cabinet was the same way. I mean, his secretary of defense, I think they were doing some, doing some uh, images of Janet Reno, you know, the woman who actually tells one of the terrorists to suck her dick while she's being beaten and for a, for a password. And in the other, and White House Down, it's Jamie Foxx as Barack Obama. I'm sorry, I know it's not, they don't call him, I know it's President Sawyer, but that's Barack Obama. Calm, you know, like calm, utterly diplomatic, you know, the bespectacled black man who's always calm, always ready, like, you know, always, always eager to be the voice of reason. But I think to me, it's the reasons for the attack in both movies that really kind of sell the two opposite sides. Olympus has fallen. They are attacking the White House because the president is meeting with the president of South Korea to get tough on North Korea's aggressive actions. It is like it is because the president is about is about to employ extra military force to make sure that our policies are enforced. In White House down. They are like it is the homegrown terrorists attacking because the president wants to employ unconditional peace settlements throughout the Middle East to permanently withdraw our forces. I don't think I need to go any further. That's pretty to me. That's the most obvious thing of how these movies are on opposite sides. So that's kind of what I took away from that. Is if you get two people on the extreme sides of the America's political spectrum and get them to make essentially the same movie that's what you're gonna end. i think there should be more movies like that two movies each year made from two opposite sides about various topics but i watch one and then watch the other and then tell me what tell me what you see 
was some uh, insightful analysis of the two yeah, horribly two. bad movies that were horrible. Mm-hmm. Although, but interesting to watch, I think. Not and not in their skill of movie making and cinema, but in the political overtones that I saw. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No. Thank you. All right. So uh, shout outs. Uh, let, let's shout out at some things. Let's do. Um, first off, I'd like to give a shout out to Outlast, a new uh, video game for the PC. Uh, it's also coming to the PS4 uh, when the PS4 comes out. Uh, but it is a survival horror game where you're playing an investigative journalist who breaks into an asylum, a uh, mental hospital, that's uh, after getting a tip that, hey, weird things are going on, bad things, you should check this story out. And I'm like, okay, I'll bring my camera with night vision and uh, break in by myself. And my cell phone doesn't work out here. What could go wrong? And the windows are broken. I see blood in the first room. What could possibly go wrong? Let's just keep going inside. For the story. For the story, yeah. Uh, it's very much like Amnesia in terms of the gameplay. You're moving, you can't fight enemies. Uh, you just have to run and hide around them. You can't, you do, you, the, the game advertises that you have parkour moves, but jumping and climbing and crawling aren't really parkour. That's basic movement. Yeah, that's, it's, well, not just basic. I mean, jumping across like a pit is a little more advanced and climbing up, you know. Uh, but it's not exactly, you're not exactly like Faith for Mirror's Edge. You're not wall running and doing backflips or shit like that uh, off of buildings or anything. So it's it's not quite that. So parkour is a little thing, but like it's got a great graphics. It's got a very interesting story. I'm not done with it. I'm about probably, I'm most of the way through it seems like. Um, but things just keep getting worse and worse and worse. And eventually better well or worse probably worse i like i said i haven't beaten the game but it's really cool it's uh 20 bucks on steam uh and i highly recommend it if you're into scary games awesome yeah if you like amnesia you'll like this i mean um you have a little camera that has a night vision mode on it so you have that instead of like a lantern um and well your lantern your night vision mode won't alert monsters to your presence so uh, or bad guys to your presence. And, uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, good stuff. All right, I got one. Mm-hmm. This is an audio book from David Cross from his book, uh, The Reason I Drink. It's, once again, it's kind of like, uh, it's like, it kind of reminds me of Pat Oswalt's book, you know, his audio book, because it's him reading it. Yeah. But what sold it for me was an open letter he did that was like 17 minutes long to Larry the Cable Guy. That alone, it's actually that that clip is on YouTube. If you want to just go to that, but that's the clip that maybe is like, all right, that's an audiobook I need to get. Okay, and it's very good, very funny. I love David Cross, so uh, you should very pick funny. that up. All right, very good. Also, it has a uh, infrared uh, night vision modes in case you know monsters are showing up. <laughs> of course, audiobook with night vision mode. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. Um, but like I mentioned, new Kickstarter uh, that just started up recently, uh, Accursed. Uh, it's a new dark fantasy role-playing game setting, uh, speaking of settings, uh, for Savage Worlds uh, that is about being basically a one of the accursed, a monster who has regained some humanity, redeemed themselves somewhat, but now you fight other monsters. And it's Victorian kind of Transylvanian kind of mode. Van motif. Helsing type yeah. shit. Van Helsing type shit. So you're like a mummy or a vampire werewolf. or werewolf, person. Uh, and you're fighting other monsters, so that's right up your alley, Tom. Oh yeah. Um, 
I've talked to one of the creators, uh, Jason Marker. He used to work for Palladium. Uh, he's <laughs> told some very interesting stories about working for Palladium on the uh, Something Awful forum. Um, so the setting, so the Kickstarter, well, I'll put a link to Kickstarter. He's got great art. Uh, I haven't read a whole lot about it yet. I mean, just what what promotional text is out there. And I think it's worth getting. Uh, I'm going to support it. Yeah. Uh, so we'll try and get a copy so we can play a game. Probably do a one shot at some point. Tom can run it. Yeah. Uh, since you're you're you're. So I like monsters. Yeah, you do like monsters. Um. So and then just another quick. Uh, I know I mentioned this on the show before, but Chivalry. Uh, I've gotten on. Ross has been playing the I've, shit out. of I've that. been on a binge lately. Um. They, every time I'm on Steam, there he is playing that. Not every. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. Um. It's they've added customization options now. Uh, oh God! Yeah, to where you can choose your colors uh, to a certain degree. You can custom, act, you know, customize your character. Not quite as much like Saints Row or whatever, but you can also choose a herald, uh, a heraldry symbol. The heraldic symbol. Yeah, heraldic symbol. Symbol. Um, and they have a lot of funny ones. And I've chosen a sandwich. Uh, I have a sandwich on my yeah, shield. You mentioned someone my, had pink to, armor with like a kitty. Yeah, yeah, with like a paw. You could yeah. be like, yeah, uh, Sir Hello Barks Kitty. a lot. Yeah, uh, or Hello Kitty, or a frog, or any number of ridiculous things. And so murdering people with broadswords while being a sandwich knight is the hilarious. It, you're, you're a knight of the Lord of, the Lord of Sandwich. Exactly. So... Sorry, the Earl of Sandwich. Uh, the Earl of Sandwich. So, uh, I find that quite amusing. But the, I, I, I'm going to give another, uh, well, kind of a review now that I've had, we've gotten back from Gen Con. We've had some time yeah. to read your stuff. And I've started running Sense of the Sleight of Hand Man, uh, the Dreamlands campaign that is out from Arc Dream that was written by Dennis Detwiller. Uh, I've already run one session of the campaign. Uh, I'm going to run another one very soon. Uh, I'm going to just finish the campaign. And so I've had enough time to sort of digest the book and. I haven't read every single bit of it yet because it's 296 pages, and I'm kind of rereading the chapters that the characters are going to go through next. So I know know the material very well. And the campaign uh, starts out... uh, Well, you're basically very early in the campaign. You're throwing the dreamlands. You have to find a way back to Earth. That's the main premise of the campaign. But it's a very sort of open sandbox campaign in that you're the Dennis, uh, the, the, the book doesn't like say you have to go this here, 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 and here to do this. It's like, all right, from Sarkomon, the city you wake up in, you can go into the underworld. You could take a ship. You could go to the coast, uh, take, go west to the next city. Uh, here's what happens if you do that. Are you taking this NPC with you? Uh, here are options for that. Uh, here are some possible encounters you could have along the way. So it's it you have to read a lot to sort of like absorb the material and be used to kind of adapting material. You can't you can't just run it straight from the book. You kind of have to read it and absorb it. And, right. Uh, but it provides a lot of really cool material uh, for it. And, I missed the first session because I was in San Diego. Right. But I'll be in it the next time. Yes. And uh, the characters are going to be really. Um, interesting uh and i'm looking forward to seeing how the characters so like even though it's 296 pages it's not necessarily going to mean you're going to use all 296 pages of material but it's there yeah it's there because you don't know which route the characters are going to go you know uh so it's 
a very open-ended campaign, and I like that. And I because it also encourages you to throw in your own material too, or at least that's how I've been reading it. Uh, so I've been throwing in some of my own material. I even threw in uh, you'll find out very early on. I threw in the companions from the Wives of March, which is one from Caleb's game. So Caleb's going to be encountering the NPCs he used against me in uh, the playtest for the Wives of March. Nice. Take that. Yeah. Al Qaeda. Yeah, I guess. So that's my sort of my review for each episode from now on. Uh, we're gonna I'm gonna give you a more detailed review of one of the things I got from Gen Con. So um, one of the games because we got a lot of them and Jesus Christ, we need to review this shit. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So I think that that covers it for shoutouts at this point. Indeed. Um, because uh, again, we don't want to uh, overwhelm uh, you guys. Uh, finally, we have our anecdote. Indeed. So, uh, I'm aside from running since the sleight of hand man, I'm also running Clips Phase. Uh, very good, very interesting campaign. Yes, it's called Duality. It's set in the sort of a gate crashing slash rimward focused campaign, which means uh, from the main belt outward, outward. Um, and in the newest session, or la- latest session, um, the characters went to Ceres, which is a dwarf planet in the main belt. It's 950 kilometers of ice and water, and it's very cold, and it's controlled by the Hidden Concern. A Octomorph o- Mafia. O- octopus Uplift Mafia uh, that controls all the ice mining on that planet. So, the mission uh, the players have to go to, they have to infiltrate the Hidden Concern and get information from them. In order to win the trust of the Hidden Concern, they have to do a mission for them on the surface of Ceres. Uh, you basically have to get data from a group of miners. You have to find out where their secret base is. Um, because the Hidden Concern wants to know, but they're paying the miners are paying the Hidden Concern, so they can't just... So it'd be, it would be bad business for them to just, you know, take but, it from but them. But if some, a random group showed up... Yeah, they would be easy to do that. It would be easy to do that. So, or they couldn't, they, they plausible deniability. So, um, Caleb comes up with a plan. Or why don't you tell Tom? Yeah, he, yeah. uh, well, we, like, we met up with this bounty hunter who, uh, said, said she offered to give us the, inf- the information we needed, all of it, right off the bat, if we helped her take out a pirate group. Space pirates. Space pirates. They were. That was my preference. Yeah. Because we could actually plan an attack, you know. Just shoot them. And you know, actually, Just a straight up fight. And be be on the offensive. Yeah. Caleb came up with a plan to infiltrate them by lying. The miners. Yeah, the miners by yeah. lying. Yeah. By a great fib. Yeah. And um, <laughs> by the way, and by so that we group, we held a group. And by the way, fuck anyone in a group who abstains from the vote. Yeah. I no have an opinion. <laughs> Damn it! I'd rather you vote against me. Wait for the AP to find out who yeah. who abstained yeah. from voting. Have like have an, I'd rather you disagree with me than just uh, I'm wrong. I'm just gonna sit this one out. Yeah, I can't even imagine doing that. No, I, it's just an alien concept to me. Like yeah. So we end up having to go to this room now. Caleb's plan is to pretend to be members of the uh, nine lives. Nine lives, which are basically ego nappers. Yeah, they steal people's brains or minds and then resell them on the black market. And so we go and play, and Ross even told us this is going to be a very difficult con to keep up. Right, because you... They, because you, it, it depends on not getting a message back from their leader. Yeah. Because we're, we're, we're the fib is that the leader sent us. Yeah. So we essentially are racing against the clock until they get that message back. Because that's the whole thing, is you don't know... They didn't know where the base was, so they didn't know how long it would take them to send a message. Yeah, it could, and we were told it could be anywhere from 60 seconds to a week. Yeah. Well... 
Yeah, it turned. It was sooner rather than later. Yeah. And uh, first, I, I think what made it uh, what made it interesting for me is I wasn't even inside. I was left outside watching the car because I couldn't quite fit into that building because I'm playing. I'm in a neo orca at the time. Yeah. And then the shit goes down. <laughs> You're a space whale. <laughs> I'm a space whale, not a sun whale. That's no. a strong difference there. Yeah. And I'm the one outside facing three guys. Yeah. Three of the miners with guns. You find, yeah, you did some research ahead of time. Yeah. You find out the miners are actually cultists that yeah. worship this guy, and they they just it's do a cult whatever, of personality. Yeah, cult of personality. Do whatever this guy says, and so they're yeah crazy. They're dicks. They're dicks. Uh, but you get to the like, I basically have Caleb make a luck check to see which is Moxie times ten to see if they get the message back in time because I had I didn't like. You didn't have the exactly this, yeah. Well, I, I mean, that was one thing. I, I, uh, I knew it would. Their, their, their. The hidden station was in the main belt. Series is in the main belt, but the main belt is huge. It's huge, but there's they're orbiting around. There's no way you, unless I knew exactly what other asteroid and calculated time. I couldn't figure out the exact distance between the two. So you made it was a luck thing. Yeah, logic. So luck. The, and also, they had a transport ship that they could have just messaged the radio, the transport ship. Hey, did our boss say that their guys were coming? And the transport ship could have been a lot closer. Because basically, yeah. to explain the backstory, is the cult, the the miners were mining ice for their secret base. Uh, they obviously need a lot of ice because it's and they didn't sell any of the ice. They just had their own transport ship, pick it up and take it back to the base, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And they obviously need a lot of ice for that. Um, in order to make that economical for them just to mine it instead of... Or they're just paranoid. They don't want yeah. anybody to find out where their base was. So their transport ship could have been anywhere between their base and Ceres. Mm-hmm. And they don't know how far it is. So I, I said it was about 10, 15 minutes for and, them uh, to we get took, We back. took longer than that. Yeah. you took No, you took about 10, 15 minutes. It was, you were almost done. You were just on the way out. <laughs> you were planted in the gadget that would let you hack in to get the data. Um, you just needed to get out uh, and leave before we were on the exit part of it yeah you were the exit part of it and then they they find out and then and then uh, i well i started but well the first thing i tried to do is like i better find some cover and then oh wait i'm seven meters long yeah and like several tons heavy yeah i'm not gonna be well not on series but but i'm 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 an orca yeah, I'm not going to be finding cover. No, you're not going to be hiding behind some boxes or. No. Uh, or actually, in, there were giant cubes of ice. You could have. There were like they did have like Minecraft giant blocks of ice that they were digging out, waiting for the transport ship to pick up. But but I'm not going to suddenly just use stealth and disappear from cover. No, they're you're plain view. They're looking at. So you. Uh, I nearly get killed. Yeah, you get shot. I get shot quite badly. Yeah. You almost get shot twice. You had to just burn yeah. out all your moxie to not I die. did, to <laughs> not die. Yeah. Thank you, moxie. <laughs> yeah, moxie's pretty great, guys. Which I, and, of course, I had an extra one since I critted my uh, both integration oh, yeah, and right. alienation check. That's right. So I'm actually like, this is probably the best morph ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, so the players shoot, you shoot all the cultists. And then uh, uh, we, like, we finally take them all down. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'm wounded and still in the game, but badly hurt. Yeah. Caleb is unconscious. You got hit. Yeah. And then from the pit. Yeah. A, uh, I think it's a Datya. Datya from the new book, Transhuman. It's actually uh, I didn't design that morph, but I did name it. They used my name uh, for it, so I'm pretty happy. It's a, it's a huge mining. Yeah, it's three, over three meters tall. It's a giant fucking robot. 
Yeah. And it comes up, and luckily it has it no ranged weapons, but essentially, Russell, if it hits you, you're dead. Yeah. It does like 5d10 plus like 15 damage. It, it had industrial tools mounted on its arms. Yeah, you're so dead. It just you're fucking, cutting You're, you're just tools. fucking dead. Yeah. Well, I rolled damage. Yeah, yeah but we had, to, well, we had to get away from it. Yeah. And that's the one time we did flee. Yeah, no, you fled. We um, didn't even collect any stacks. No. Well, that wasn't that wasn't your mission to get their stacks. That, that almost that's, that's almost that almost kind of seems just par for the course. Yeah, I'm oh, sorry. I, I I played no evil a lot. Yeah, that's kind that of was the, Bartleby's thing. But like, yeah, yeah that's that's yeah. Uh, well, you, well, yeah, he made people better in simul space. It <laughs> <laughs> kills on that route already. Uh, so. It was a fun encounter. I I think everybody had fun with it. Uh, and actually, I had a lot. Of, I mean, it was. I think I had never had the mo- more fun with a morph that I did in this one. Yeah. I, well, I, now I enjoy- you're going to be underwater for the next part but, of it, the adventure. But so. I love it. I've never been like, dude. That was actually the most fun I've had failing in a morph, finding yeah. its disadvantages. Yeah. No. It was great. It was great. It was a fun time. Uh, Caleb was a little frustrated that his plan didn't work perfectly, but that was you, you don't know the unknowns. It's an unknown variable. You don't know how long it... Like, I could have just had them had a quantum entangled And then instantly. Yeah, they would have known instantly. Like, the color's like, no, they're, they're, I didn't send them. They'd kill them, you know? And then they just combat. So uh, it almost worked. And it was... If he made that luck check, it would have worked. Mm-hmm. But The moral of that story... Have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, you just wanted to fight some space pirates. Son of a bitch. <laughs> that would have worked out well, too. Two players. Just, uh, can I just sit this vote out? I just wanted to go, no, you cannot. <laughs> I can't, yeah. You can't, yes, we can't force them, but. Yeah. No, I, I actually, that actually infuriates me. It really does. All right. <laughs> because uh, even it makes no sense in a team. Yeah. Like, no, if you're if we're going into it a could pot- affect you one way or the other. Yeah, if we're going into a, a either one could be a potential combat situation. You have an opinion. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you can look forward to rage that next year because it'll yeah. be a while before we get sure. To it. Yeah. Because um, that way we have to finish Tribes of Tokyo and uh, Iron Heroes, and uh, then we will post Better Angels and then Eclipse Phase. It'll be great. It'll be awesome. So uh, this has been episode 92, setting not included. This is Ross Payton here. And I'm Tom Church with a cold. We'll talk to you guys next time. Later.